want to work on self-healing, who want to enter in this communication, who want to speak the language, part of it is just believing we can and getting started using it, learning it, and having successful experiences. I responded in the language of the body, and the body chilled. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 88, The Shimmer of Truth, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Ellen Meredith, author of The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine, from New World Library. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. When is the last time you stopped and really listened to your body? What physical aches do you live with daily? How are you compensating for them? Do you have chronic issues that seem to never go away? Maybe, like many, you just feel off, heavy, out of balance, or worn down. I know I've felt that way before. Perhaps, like many people across the world, you treat each and every creak and groan with pharmaceutical solutions that carry a landslide of negative side effects. In this episode, I visit with energy medicine practitioner Ellen Meredith, author of The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine. Ellen has been practicing energy medicine for over 35 years, and during that time, she's helped countless individuals harness the power of their body, their energy body, to bring balance, wellness, and health back to their lives. Her book is a wonderful mix of stories, examples, and exercises that help people get in touch with their source code, the original human language, the language of energy. Ellen took the time to walk me through one of her key practices, and she applied her guiding insights to a personal practice of my own, enhancing it in ways I'd not considered before. This conversation is a wonderful companion to Ellen's book and the good work she continues to do through her energy medicine practices. If, like me, you have even the most rudimentary understanding of human energy, then this is a good place to start your path to healing and health in a very multidimensional way. Now... Tune your attention to this good news beacon and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning, you're dreaming up the story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy ball of light. Old news, bad news. Fake news? Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. talking to today if you could give us the little peek behind the veil real quick and we'll go in from there 
Okay. Well, my name's Ellen Meredith, and I'm the author of a book called The Language Your Body Speaks, Self-Healing with Energy Medicine. And I am an energy medicine practitioner, a medical intuitive, and I've been in practice almost 40 years now. So I've had a lot of time to kind of explore this realm and wow. try to figure out what the body has to yeah, say. Yeah, 40 years. That's a long time. I mean, I, I'll say that when I started reading your book, I, I love stories. That To me, everything is about people's stories. I find that digging into people's stories is where a lot of healing happens because you end up in these Honestly, finding wounds that you didn't even know were there and you go, oh, this was the mystery behind maybe a, a mental ailment or a spiritual ailment or something like that. So when I was reading your book, I, I loved even the foreword. I was like, OK, I'm curious, you know, already. And then you, uh -huh. you do touch on your career throughout the book at various points. But the book is so full of wonderful information, in my opinion. You know, your story is sort of the undertone of everything. But I hope today after reading the book and thinking about that several times throughout that maybe we could dive a little bit more into your story. Because that, in a way, I hope that would entice listeners to seek out the book, but, you know, get a little bit more that they, maybe they don't get from the book about you. I did not set out to be a healer or a medical intuitive. Um, I started out actually in writing, creative writing. And... Um, I was, I had finished writing a book and I was sort of looking for inspiration and just sort of in a bad mood sitting around my pajamas waiting for inspiration to hit. And my grandmother, who's deceased, who's dead, I came, showed up in my consciousness and was standing behind me and, with a message. And I didn't have a belief system about this. I'd never thought about communicating with dead people or any of that. It wasn't, it wasn't in my worldview, but I, I wasn't opposed to it. So I, I wrote the message down because I thought it was interesting. And I thought, oh, there might be a story here. Yeah. And um, and the message was kind of about how to, you know, not to close things myself in, not to get too much um, padding on me. My grandmother was quite fat. And she said, don't do what I did. Oh. Don't close it in all around you. Open up and open to guidance and you'll be trained. You'll be taught. And I thought, well, that's a very interesting message. And I didn't think much of it. You know, I thought, well, there's a character in a, in a story or something. Right. But I, about three days later, someone knocked on my door who I barely knew. I'd met her maybe once or twice. And she said, I'm going to a psychic fair in a little town called Hope, Michigan. Do you want to come? And I thought, well, that is just weird. Sure, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, sounds great. <laughs> you know, so we went off to Hope, Michigan. And it was a spiritualist church. I never had a psychic reading or anything before. And they had little $5 readings in the basement of this church. Sure. And I, I paid for my reading. I, I sat down when it was my turn. And the woman looked at me and she said, your maternal grandmother is standing right behind you. And she has a Very message for you. And then she repeated the message wow. I had gotten that I'd written down. And that had me hooked. It was like, what? You know, what is this realm that this stranger in a strange town can look at me and give me a message that I also received directly? Yeah, it goes, it goes beyond down. coincidence at that point. I know. And it got me curious. I mean, I was such a brat. I said, well, doesn't she have anything new? I already got that <laughs> message. But I, I was joking because I, I was nervous. I thought, well, what is this? But I realized, okay, if there's this whole world out there where people can communicate with something 
else, some other dimension. Um, what is there more to understand that that I wasn't looking at? Sure. And a cup. And um, I asked the psychic, "Are you reading my mind, or do you think my grandma's really there?" And sh she was great. For five bucks, she said, "It's my belief system that your grandma's really standing there, and that you get lots of messages and you." you don't yet know how to receive them. So if you slow down and listen, Interesting. you will get guidance. And of course, I I was intrigued. I, that was a carrot for me that just pulled me right in, right? Right. And so a couple days later, I was cleaning my house, which is an extremely rare occurrence, but I was cleaning my house. And I noticed that in my head, there was this ticker tape with little letters on it, kind of like an old stock market ticker tape. Um, and I thought, yeah, I wonder if they say anything. So I went to my typewriter and I started typing the letters. And they really were one letter at a time. I, I wasn't even getting whole words yet. And, and after a while, it stopped. And I looked at what I typed. And it was a message from my inner teachers. They called themselves my counsel. Okay. And they said, and their collective consciousness. I had a feel of them. It, it was a, the feeling I had was kind of like a, a heightened buzz or excitement it wasn't it wasn't super buzzy but it was just a little bit enhanced like you have when you have a really good sure, idea sure. or an aha moment okay so and i read the message and it, it said you know you've asked to, to to train with us or to to come work with us and we're here to train you and we'll give you insights and we'll give you messages and you'll have to explore and unpack the meaning and they interpreted a dream i had had the night before and you know explained some question that i'd been thinking about earlier in the day and i thought whoa this yeah. is so yeah, yeah. very cool <laughs> this is better than that magic oh, yeah, eight ball absolutely. remember the magic eight yeah. ball when you were a kid that had I thought, this is way better, way cool. So I did start tuning in and listening, and they trained me intensively. I mean, it came after the first time. It started coming as words and then whole impulses or sentences. And I would write and write and take dictation and try to turn my brain off and just get the message and then unpack it or interpret it afterwards. And they they trained me thoroughly. For seven years, it was an intensive, you know, several hours a day, and they'd explain things to me about what was happening in my life or what was in my heart or, or um, how, I, how to develop tools that would allow me to, to perceive energy more uh, easily. And I wasn't doing it with any goal, but to, you know, kind of mine the gold mine. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to become something other than just, I really loved these folks. I loved their consciousness. They were very funny. They were insightful. They made me feel like I could see things more clearly. So that went on for a while. And at some point, they said, you're going to get very ill. And in the process of healing, you're going to learn to become a healer. Interesting. Okay. And I thought, well. Well, that's, <laughs> can, that could be scary, right? <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're going, oh, this is great. Uh, my life's expanding. My mind's expanding. My awareness and understanding's expanding. That's, that's invigorating, I'm sure, to a large degree. And then you hear, oh, and you're going to get sick, really sick. That's, that's kind of. A yeah. Right. Fear factor. It was. But, you know, it's interesting because I really believe that um, that the guidance comes through a part of our self that, that stands with our guides. I believe we each have a wiser self. You have a wiser self. I have a wiser self. And they're part of this collective consciousness that can guide us that I call my counsels or your counsels. And <clears throat> so I had this feeling 
that the, the wisdom that was speaking to me, even though it was beyond my conscious understanding or ability to, to know things, was part of me. It didn't feel like a foreign voice or a foreign influence. It just felt like maybe the better part of me. You know, I call it the wiser self sometimes. Yeah. And it, it was just a part that could illuminate yeah. from within, illuminate my experience. And they also said I was going to move to California. And that, that wasn't a command. It was just, this is probably going to happen. And sure enough, I got a job in California. Not long after that, I moved out there and I did get very sick. <clears throat> and, um, I went to an MD, and bless her heart, she said, uh, this was terrible, she diagnosed me with malaise. Yeah, I read that in your book, right? um, You talked about that. Yeah, it it means discomfort, and I was so mad to pay $80 to be told, you have malaise. (laughs) I had really horrible digestive stuff, I was exhausted, I wasn't sleeping, and I wasn't upset. I mean, I didn't have an emotional issue, I was just, my body was like, grinding to a halt and I didn't know why and um, she didn't know why either so bless her heart she said I can't help you I don't have anything from medicine to help you um, but I'm going to send you to an alternative practitioner this was California mind you so doctors there would send people sometimes to other other practitioners so I got sent to um, yeah, to a chiropractor who does applied kinesiology. It's a form, it's like the muscle testing, people who know about muscle testing. Yeah. It comes from this field called applied kinesiology. Okay. It works with the ends. It's, it's kind of uh, rooted in Chinese medicine, like acupressure is or acupuncture. Anyway, in the process of working with this, this chiropractor, I discovered that I could see what was going on in my own body. And in fact, I could see what was going on in her body. So I would, um, and because she could energy test or muscle test, they called it um, in that tradition, um, I would look at this organ here. I didn't even know what it was called. I'd say, what's this organ called? And she'd say, well, that's your gallbladder. <laughs> and I'd say, I think my gallbladder is off because mine is a puke green and yours is a really beautiful yeah. forest green. And she'd say, oh. Okay, and then she'd energy test it or muscle test it, and sure enough, my gallbladder meridian would be out of balance, okay. and she would do stuff to fix it. And it was really a wonderful, again, intense training. I found out, and this some of it, I'm telling this story not because I've got special powers, but because we forget to even try right. to see if we can do yeah. stuff. I mean, part of it is having an opportunity to to find out if you can see what's going on in your body or if you can see, I could see, I could look at a whole wall of supplements. You know, she had all these pill bottles of supplements. I could look at the whole wall and say, I need the third one from the right on the fourth shelf down and I need two a day, morning and night. And sure enough, she would energy test and my body would say, that's exactly what you need. So I discovered this weirdo ability and I, again, most of your listeners have weirdo ability. Uh, my niece calls them spidey senses. <laughs> and I just think that's a lovely term for it, spidey senses. We all have them. We all have the ability to perceive way beyond what we, our mind has been yeah. trained to, to recognize. And so what my counsels were doing with me were they were training my mind to recognize subtle energy, to be able to perceive them, so that after several years of dialogue with them and guidance in the moment, um, I just discovered that in the process I had become able to see energies, become a medical intuitive. 
Definitely, that was one of the great appeals of reading the book. I, I, I was actually telling my wife that yesterday. I was finishing it up, and I said, you know, I love that the language with which you speak in that book because it makes it so easy to digest. Uh, you talk a lot about language in the book, in fact, learning to speak energy. And, and, and you've yeah. touched on several things that were in the book that I wanted to talk right. about, actually, the three bodies that you mentioned. Uh, so I'd love to go to any, any of those topics because they were all really fascinating. But one thing that really stood out to me. And, and I'll say this, I'll, pre, I'll precursor all that by saying that there was a lot of things I connected with personally because, I'm all, for one, I'm always fascinated to talk to someone like you who leaned right into it. You started, you had these experiences that probably will come at you sideways, right? I mean, you don't wake up and go, oh, I'm expecting my grandmother to communicate yeah. with me from the beyond. So that comes at you sideways. There's some people who would have immediately just said, oh, that's fantasy or fiction or my imagination and pushed it aside. But you leaned into it. And, and as I get older, I, I've come coming to realize something that I, I seem to know when I was in my 20s, but I fought along the way. And now 25 years later, I'm finally starting to give up, if so to speak, and go, oh, it's okay to lean into these things. And it's that if those yeah. things are happening, don't toss them aside. Just lean towards them because it might be something right. that you can do, you can help, you can offer, right? And so you leaning forward immediately, right. I, I love that story because it shows you what can happen when you do. Right. You can just investigate. And I really truly believe that art and spirituality are flip sides of the very same coin. So that Everyone out there, if you've ever done any artwork, and by artwork, I also include gardening. I also include, you know, anything you do that takes artistry, cooking, um, but also fine arts. It is that same process of opening your mind to what you don't know, grasping meaning through all your senses, and then finding ways to encode it into an image, into words, into an experience, into a structure, into, you know, whatever your art form is. Right. And if you've had any experience with that um, dance, too, if you've had any experience with that, um, that phenomenon of receiving an impulse and embodying it or encoding it into some form that then allows you to share that with other people, you have the essence of being psychic, of being intuitive, of being a healer, uh, et cetera, because that, um, the body speaks energy. Energy is the, the language that the body speaks, which is why that's, that's the name that, um, of my book. Right. Um, and, you know, in our culture, we're taught to think of the body in medical terms. So we think of ourselves as this big bag of chemicals, basically, doing all kinds of processes that very advanced scientists understand, and we don't. And for a self-healer, that is such a useless model, because if I have to sit there and second-guess what my chemistry is doing, I'm powerless. But if you understand that the body has two different communication systems, Sure, it communicates chemically, but underneath the chemical communications is the energetic communications of the body. Your body's made of energies, right? It's a massive swirling energies. It's a little hard to picture, but it is. And it's fueled by energy. And then energy organizes all that energy its own communication. So it, it's the organizing factor as well. Well, when you realize that, it also 
um, organize, forms, fuels, and organizes the chemistry of the body. So if we want to inter, inter, um, influence our own health and well-being, we can start by relearning our original language, which is energy, so we can participate in the conversations between yeah. the body, mind, and spirit. And so I really believe it's, it's radical and it's totally logical and simple to say, you and I speak English pretty, pretty fluently. So we don't need to go to chemistry to understand our bodies. We need to go what we already are fluent yeah. in, which is language. And it doesn't have to be English. It could be French or Chinese or Swahili, but it is or sign language. But it, it is how we are used to encoding meaning. And energy in, in terms of the body, it's not like in science, these sort of neutrons and protons doing plus minus signaling. It's not neutral. It's consciousness itself that fuels and forms and organizes the body. So when we're chasing down what's happening, why do I have a stomach ache? You know, why do my sinuses keep filling? Why do I feel like crap at two o'clock every, every day? What, or what, what can I do to feel more alive? All those questions are better answered in a language we can actually speak. You don't, you know, you don't try to interpret Shakespeare by going to chemistry. It's just, it's not useful. You want to take uh, take a different uh, approach. You want to take the approach that, that best fits um, language, which is, you know, what's being expressed here and, and how is it being expressed and what's I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, and that's, I, I hope other people who are listening can, if they haven't experienced this, maybe re-examine some other experiences they've had in their life and, and really scratch at it and go, okay, maybe this experience, negative or positive, whatever it may be, was an energy experience and uh -huh. not what I thought it was. That happened to me not too long ago. I was just really going through a cycle of being stuck and, and not negative, but just wanting to get out of myself. Honestly, the best way I could describe it, and you talk about this in your book, using other things to describe these experiences, but I had told my wife, I said, I feel like I'm static charged. Like anybody that touched me, there was just going to be this feedback loop that was going to get started and it was making me feel terrible. And and I told her, she would say things like, oh, it's such a beautiful uh -huh. day. I would love to be um, sitting on the beach. Well, I would always say something like, it would be so wonderful to be just a, a stick floating down the river. And she said, she said, you know, you always say that. You always use those examples. Like I'm imagining sitting on a patio and you say, oh, it'd be great to be a leaf on the wind. You never say it'd be nice to be sitting on a patio too. And so after we got to talking, it really, I dove off a cliff and started to explain to her. I said, I feel like... I don't, the only way I could describe it was I don't want to be human. I know that seems silly, but because humans feel too much, or at least in my experience, we feel too much. And I feel like I'm just running around picking up everybody's stuff. And right. the only way to right. get away from it and to decharge would be to go take my shoes off and go to the park and lean up against a tree for five hours, you know, and just. It was like that. And so for me, right. I wasn't realizing what I was putting my finger on. And so she did a little digging. She was listening to me in a loving way. And she said, hey, have you ever looked into being empathetic or being an empath? She said, because now that I'm looking at this, she goes, I've been married to you for, you know, and, and knowing you for 20 years, you you have all these symptoms, so to speak. 
Well, that cracked open my mind. I mean, yeah. I started rethinking everything, and everything became about energy at that point. I was like, oh, man, I I understand this now. I understand <laughs> why I feel this way. Like, I, I would tell her, hey, I can't go to this thing. These people make me feel like I'm licking a battery. Right? right. And that was right. my way of trying to <laughs> express. I'm not saying they're bad people, but their energy right. makes me feel like I'm licking a battery. It was like the only way I could express it. So your book gets into some of that territory. So I was really highly fascinated by it. Oh, great. And I tried in the book to show you that you're not stuck with whatever comes. You're not yeah. stuck with licking batteries every time right, you leave your house. Right. <laughs> you know, you can absolutely come up with some energy communication techniques, some energy dialogue techniques to actually shift that pattern. Because once you perceive it, I feel like I'm licking a battery. Well, put a battery yeah. case around it. You know, actually, in with your hands, be, you know, just not in front of them because it's rude, but, you know, like in, go in the bathroom or just in, in your lap or, you know, even. It's good to always use gesture if you can. Sometimes you can't. You have to just do it in your mind. But gesture is a much stronger way of speaking energy than just visualization yeah. or thinking. But if you just... Take, you know, take someone who, who's making you feel like a, uh, you're licking a battery, yeah. put a battery case around it, <laughs> Yeah, just in case it, it doesn't harm them, it, it, it gives them actually some good boundaries, but it tells your, um, what I call your gatekeeper, which keeps the gates of self, it says what can come in and what has to stay out, and for empaths, often their gatekeeper lets in too much information and then doesn't know what to yeah. do with it, and and we need a stronger filter. Can I teach Please. you a quick Absolutely. exercise? I know this is radio, but it's, it's really easy yeah. to, to talk someone through. So at the edge of our, we have an energy um, field around us. It's like the big shell of an egg or something. It's like a big egg-shaped field of energy. It's called the aura, or it's called the biofield. It's got a lot of different names in different cultures. And at the edge of that aura is a filter. And it helps filter what, what can come in and what has to stay out. And on most people, it's Swiss cheese. It just lets everything in because they haven't known that they had a filter, so they didn't take good care of it. So one thing you can do is just reach out at arm's length, and, and um, you're going to figure towards and away from you, so between the me and the not me. So you're just figuring this edge of your aura. And of course, if you can't reach it, because some people have quite big auras, you just send your imagination where you think the edge of your aura is. And you just figure it towards and away from you, towards and away from you, all the way around. And you can put a color in it. Um, I don't put white because white is what the lost soul. Yeah, to, I wanted to talk about to that. Actually, I read you. that in your book. And that fascinated me that part. Yeah, a lot of people say envision yourself surrounded by white light, and I'm thinking, okay, good luck with that. You're going to get some hitchhikers. Mm -hmm. So put a little tint in it. It's okay to have white light, but put a little blue or something so they don't get confused and think you're the white light they're supposed mm. to go to. But, you know, you want to figure it, put it, put a light in it. You can, uh, um, a color in it. You can ask for helpers if it's too much work to do the whole thing. That actually trains your aura to decide what can come in and what has to stay out. It actually filters things for you, and it's smart. You're programming it by doing the activity um, so that you aren't at the mercy of everyone else's energy. Yeah. So that's just one of many techniques. I teach a whole bunch of different ones in the book, you know, based on different issues that come up. What, what can you do with it? And then I teach people how to make up their own. Because what's well, interesting, I mean, there was something in your you book need. you were talking about. I think it was the cosmic figure eight. 
Is that, am I saying that right? I thought that, okay, that was fascinating because I have a, a glyph in my life that has been there since I sort of had my first, what I would call really pivotal spiritual experience mystical type experience a long time ago and so this glyph was came in a dream and so i wrote it down it's been and we've adopted it or i Uh have adopted it as a personal sigil and i meditate on it often like what does it mean because it's not something that comes from a culture or tradition right it's just something personal but when i read your description of the cosmic eight or the cosmic figure eight the way that structure uh, as a map for the way this flows, you know, from source to us to the world. Oddly enough, that glyph for me, it's like a, a vertical bar, crossbar, and an arch. And I've always intuited that it was source uh-huh. connected to, you know, you're the vertical bar. There's the source, which is the horizontal bar, and then the arc is is the world, right? And that's how I intuit. I said, wow, it's interesting right. how these concepts, these high concepts, like that, come through. Like to you from the council, but they come through from somewhere and they're so universal and similar. And I'm happy, I know it. I'm helpless. To Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your sulfur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag SulfurToday. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words sulfur today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best sulfur has to offer through the Sulfur Today social media pages. As the Sulfur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulfur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulfur Today sign when you're out and about, and be ready. We may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. I like that it was filled with exercises. In fact, I'll tell you, last night I laid down. I like to, I've gotten to where I like to sleep on the floor when I was younger. I like to sleep close to the ground. It always felt like I was 
calmer, more at peace when I was closer to the ground. And so um, yeah. lately I've been doing that again just to kind of get some of this these the static out. But after reading your book, I, I last night I, right, I right. just kind of let my body feel where do I feel tension or anxiety or heaviness? And it really last night it felt like it was over my heart. And so I I kind mm-hmm. of not exactly what you say in the book, but I, I put my hands my hand on my heart and I let myself feel my heartbeat and I just started tapping my chest with my heartbeat and I fell as, I fell asleep doing that, uh-huh. but it was so um not sedative but balancing, if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. We do not need elaborate, fancy um, techniques to talk to the body. It's very primal. It's like a, an infant or a dog or a cat. You know, we don't need very complex uh, tools. So tapping, the body responds beautifully to rhythm and tapping and touch and color and sound and um, taste and smell and, you know, all the senses for sure. And, um, and very direct connection. We don't need to make it more complicated than it is. When an infant is crying, you know, we don't do a head-to-toe uh, inventory of what's wrong and how can we fix it. We first try maybe rocking or holding her and loving her. And maybe we think, oh, you need some food. And we try feeding her. And then we try burping her. And we kind of work our way through options if it doesn't work. But our instinct takes us usually to what works you know, very quickly. And, and if you, you know, anyone who's been around an infant or a dog or a cat knows that pretty quickly you start to be able to speak their language. You really get it that when they have this kind of, you know, I have new cats and when this kind of meow is, is their hunting cry and this kind of meow is, okay, it's time to feed me again. And this kind of meow is, Hey, did you forget me? I I was on the floor. You should get down and pet me. You know, they all, they have so many different ways to communicate. And so does the body. But because we are trained in our society to go to a doctor when something's wrong and to not ask ourselves what can be done when something is off or talking to us. First of all, the body has to scream louder and louder to get through to us. A little twinge won't do it. So if I'm working and I suddenly get a little twitch in my eye, do I stop and bathe my eyes and tune into another energy and do something else? No, I kind of just put my hand there for a second and keep going, or I just ignore it. Right. And by nighttime, it's really twitching. The body speaks in symptoms. And if we don't get the message, it gets louder and louder and it snowballs until eventually it's a named illness. It's a chronic illness or even a, um, an acute illness. And so when we can start dipping in like you did last night, you know, you didn't need to take a sleep medication. You didn't even need to get down on the floor, although that might have been a good communication if your body was really full of excess juice. But just tuning in and speaking its own language, which in this case was holding and tapping, was enough to transform the messenger, the me- to say to the messenger, I got your message, and to get it to stop you know, to just yeah, chill, like, okay, message delivered. I yeah, did a little attention no, it's to amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the, your book, I guess, covered so many different topics. One was imagination. I was I was actually pleasantly surprised to find you bring that word up in a positive way so many times because so often yeah. we use them in, in these types of topics. 
the word imagination is used to, to make something discredited or disregard it, right? We can say, oh, that's your imagination. But in your well, book, you apply the imagination as almost like a part of it. I mean, you, you should utilize your imagination. Absolutely. It's part of the instrument. You wouldn't try to play Mozart and then just say, oh, that's just, you know, on a violin. Oh, that's just my bow. It's like, yeah, my bow is what has allowed me to play the violin better. Um, so we we have this imagination, which is kind of a receiving room for inner guidance and for thoughts and ideas and for fiction and truth and to sort things out and to to encode meaning. Again, it's a place, it's like a workroom where we perceive and encode meaning or perceive and decode meaning. And I hate those terms, encode and decode. They're not as nice as things in, in the in the artistic realm. Yeah. So, you know, but express and express and perceive meaning, whatever. But um, absolutely. So when people say, oh, you know, I say, well, I'm getting this sense that, that, that my cat is really sad. Someone could, would very likely say, right. oh, that's just your imagination. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I'm using my imagination to pick up a signal that I want to investigate. So I always say, sure, use your imagination, but don't take it as a, a command from, from the divine to do something. Investigate. Triangulate it with other, other evidence. Sure. And if it holds true, if, if it really, you know, that that sigil or glyph that you talked about of the two lines with the with the curve that, that speaks to you of, of that body, mind, spirit integration, that's a personal piece of energy vocabulary. It's, pers- it's personal code. And I talk about this in the book that yeah. we all develop personal symbols that speak to us. We could unpack them for years and there would be more and more meaning just Yours for you and me for mine, but my image or my glyphs or my symbols might be yeah. very different from yours. So if we want to communicate with wiser self and with our deeper mind and with, you know, the psychic powers, whatever's out there, we need a pretty good vocabulary. And here's the here's what I always like to say. Um, you wouldn't climb a mountain to see the guru, the wise guru in the cave. You wouldn't climb a mountain, get there and say, okay, wise guru, I want to know the meaning of life. So you just nod yes or no, and I'm going to suggest what it is, and, and you can tell me if I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that yes-no vocabulary is such a, a, a poor vocabulary for receiving wisdom. So people who use the uh, a pendulum it's it's a lovely tool to to kind of um maybe uh bring the volume up on on what your body might be telling you but it's a yes no tool and we have so much so many better tools that are multidimensional that 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 really can encapsulate all of reality and not just the yes no of reality and so absolutely the imagination is the place where we need to it's not that we need to learn how to be psychic. We need to train the mind first not to filter out our deeper knowing because everyone's got it. And second, to do it justice. Mm. If you're going to get an insight from the part of you that's part of the divine, you want to put a pretty nice robe on it. You want to put a pretty nice package around it. You don't want to just give it kind of pseudoscientific language and treat it like this ugly, unloved thing. Because it's sacred, it's a bit of sacred guidance coming to you. Why not use beautiful language or beautiful imagery or beautiful gesture? And I'm happy, I know it. I'm 
I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. I'd like to talk about this a little more. You've got my brain thinking about something. I didn't realize it kind of connected to your book, but now it makes me think of a project I want to work on because I I have something that uh, an imagination exercise that I kind of picked up from a book a long time ago. I was reading the book, The Silence of the Lambs, actually, and the character in the book talked about building a mind palace and that even though he he was in prison... In his mind, he had already built a palace, and so he didn't feel as though he was trapped. And so I thought that was fascinating, and I thought, well, how can I apply that one little thing? And so I built a little cabin in my mind, and I've talked about this a few times. This is a little cabin tucked away, you know, in Alaska up in the hills, and it's a place for me to go. And so for a long time, I just used that to de-stress. It was like this tiny little place with a with a stove and a bed, and I could hear the wind, and I would just texture it as the years went by. Well, I started to realize I was kind of limiting that. And so a few years ago, I started building little doors inside in my mind where I could go make rooms for things I cared about. And I could go to those places. And so what's been fun as the last years have went by is now this these little doors go to all kinds of places. And sometimes when I read books, I'll go build a room filled with the ideas from that book. And it's making me think about your book and how I could take some of these exercises and actually build another little hatch in my little cabin, you know, and, and flesh it out so it could be a place to go and practice these things, right? Just using the imagination. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I used to have chronic uh, repeating dreams where I'd go into a house and i keep finding new rooms, more rooms and more rooms. And, you know, I'd buy a house and then discover there was a whole other house attached to it that I'd, I'd get to explore. And I think that was my mind trying to tell me, this is limitless. Yeah. and. You know, I'm a big believer in everyday reality. I'm a big believer in honoring the instrument that, you know, it's not all about just living in the mind. It really is about making sure the body gets the memo. So one of the things I'm going to encourage you to think about as you build the room, which is a, it's a lovely technique. It's a lovely place. Since if you think of 
your everyday reality as a whole collection of dramas that you sign on for, that your I call it your talking self signs on for all these dramas, right? Your identity is Oren and your where you live and what your your storyline is and all of that. And we're always working on our storyline, you know, working on our resume, <laughs> right. working on this and that. Um, and, you know, those are all little houses right. that we're building, right? Those are all the creations of self that that we create in this shared identity realm that we all have. So you say, tell me who you are. And I tell you my little stories. And, and I say, tell me who you are. And you tell me your stories. And they are constructed realities. They aren't, you know, they, they are rooted in what the body is experiencing, but they're, they're definitely enhancements. And if that's the case, we might as well build yeah. nice ones. Because who wants to build a prison? Who wants to live in the torment of this is a, a tortured world and things are going to hell in a handbasket and everything's horrible? I mean, we can we can create that as the reality of, of our mind, but it's not a very fun place to inhabit. And we have to pick and choose. It's not that you ignore the tough realities. When your body is in pain, pay attention to the pain. When your body needs food, pay attention to getting it nourishment. But... We have these three realms I talked about in the book. The earth elemental is your body self, and she's in the now, or he's in the now. It's, it's very immediate. It's the instrument. And we have the talking self. That's like the, the, um, the, the person who plays the instrument. That's the musician. Um, and they have to get their skill level up because, you know, if, if you don't have skill at playing your instrument, you're not going to be able to, to do much with it. And then we have the wiser self, and that's like the music of the soul. So you need those three things. You need the music, the musician, and the instrument. And when we can get those three together, life is glorious. But if we're trying to play Mozart on a kazoo, not so great. You know, we have the glories of our soul coming in, and our, our body is sick and tired, and we don't take care of it. We don't know what to do with it. It sounds a lot like a kazoo energetically, <laughs> right. and we, we don't get to where we want to go. And the same with, say, you have a beautiful instrument, you know, you've got a Stradivarius violin, but your musician is, you know, is a hack who doesn't want to learn anything and didn't bother to take any lessons and knows how to play chopsticks, you know? Then, you know, if that's what your talking self knows how to do, your instrument's going to play chopsticks over and over and over. So... We really want to, you know, I talk a lot in the book about how to work with each of these selves energetically and how to get them working as a as a harmonious committee rather than yeah. putting one no, above that, the that other. That makes sense. You also talked um, – I, I don't remember the name of it, actually. I made a few notes, but it was Clear Fear, Ease Ego, Welcome the Wiser Self. And that was a yeah. practice, right? What was the What was the name of that practice? That it's it's an exercise okay. that I call clear fear. Oh, okay. Ego, welcome, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you got it. You got it right in one. And what it is is, um, it is a, It's actually three little exercises that I put together for the purpose of opening up. When we start, when our gatekeeper starts to close the gates of self. So, and, and if you think of your gatekeeper as your immune system. Your physical, emotional, energetic, and spiritual immune system. Whenever you're having any kind of reaction, so you're shutting down or you're, you're too scared to, 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 per, to pursue something or, um, you know, you feel like you've got lots of static electricity, that's probably a little bit of a gatekeeper reaction. You can use this exercise to, um, to bring yourself back 
and to calm it down. So I think I, you want me to try to describe it for the radio? Yeah, I can. Yeah, if you can. I mean, the best of your ability. I, I would rather, I want people to make sure they go check it out in the book. That's where it really gets into the details where they can practice that. But yeah, I definitely would like to hear about it. Right. Right. And I also want to say I have a YouTube channel where I've recorded a lot of free videos that have some of the exercises Excellent. from my book in them. So you can also Perfect. see me demonstrate them there. And everybody, if you're listening and you're not driving a car, then do this with us. So it uses something that I call the divine hookup. And the divine hookup uses your pointer fingers or your index fingers. So you're going to take your left index finger and you're going to plug it into the heart of the divine, okay. however you picture that. Now, if, if you don't have an image of divine and you want to do Mother Earth or you can plug it into pure truth or something that you find sacred, even if you're very secular, plug into that. And it's plugging in. You don't have to visualize once you're plugged in. It's like when you plug into a wall plug, the electricity just flows. Once you're plugged in, it flows. So when you plug it into a source that feeds you energetically, it will just flow. And then on the back of that same hand, between the fourth and fifth finger, go over the knuckles. There's a little divot right behind the knuckles between the fourth, your baby yeah, finger, your, your ring finger. And you're just going to... Put your other index, your right index finger, in that divot, and you're just going to hold. Now, what this does while you're doing that hold, and just see how it feels. It may be hard while I'm talking, but you can do it again later, is that we're plugging into a source of divine energy. It's, it's fueling the activity, and then you've, you've got your other finger in a point that is, in Chinese medicine, is called a fear point. It actually oh. relates to fear, and it sits on a meridian that has a lot to do with your gatekeeper. So it's just an acupoint from acupressure, acupuncture that you're putting your, your finger in. And if you do any tapping, it's a tapping point mm, as well. They okay. tap that point. It clears fear. So that part is called clear fear. You're using radiance to come in okay. and melt the fear. But it's, it's more than fear. It's any reactivity. So that electrical, highly kind of um, electromagnetic feeling you're getting is probably your gatekeeper just, you know, getting into overdrive, your nervous system going into overdrive. So this calms it down. I see. Then, so that's part one. And you do that for a few moments. And then, you know, until you feel like you take a, a deep breath or something. And then you're going to, um, keep your left hand plugged into divine energy. You're going to take your right hand and put it over your heart. This is part is called ease ego. And you might say, why would it be called ease ego? Well, the ego is like a sack of self. It's like, it's like a shape of identity and it gets bigger and smaller, kind of like your eye opens and closes to let light in. The ego gets bigger and smaller to, to protect the self. So if you feed your heart with radiance, the ego comes back to a more natural, comfortable size. It doesn't need to be so big. If we are in our heart, if we are balanced and comfortable in our heart, most of us don't need to have our ego on red alert kind of trolling for insults or anything, right? Right. So this helps us open to psychic stuff. It helps us both um, be humble, but also be feel that we're worthy. You know, it, it finds that middle point between humility and a sense of okay. worthiness. Yeah. So we do that hook for a few minutes. And then the last one, we're going to hook up 
a point on the back, and it's called the Mingmen point for those of you who know some Chinese medicine. It's right behind the belly button. So if you go through the belly button and you imagine you go straight through your body and you put your hand on the back, right behind your belly button, that would be L4, L5 in terms of, of physiology. And you just flip your hand back and forth a couple times. That just um, what that does, so front, back, front, back, front, back of the hand, what that does is it just balances the polarities so you can talk to that point because it's an access to a very, very deep energy flow that, um, that I call the penetrating flow from Eden Energy Medicine. But um, it, it's used also in uh, Chinese medicine. It's one that takes things very deep. So what you're going to do now, so you opened up that, it's like a doorway, so you could talk to your wiser self. Then imagine your wiser self is standing behind you and just coming up close behind you. Maybe he or she will put their hands on your shoulders. They will connect from their second chakra, which is halfway between the pubic bone and, and the belly button. From that area, they're going to just connect up to your Ming Men like a little little tube or, or hose to give you good radiance through, through that hose as well. And then you can just even invite your uh, wiser self to step forward and you can meld with it. In other words, you can just dissolve into that wiser self and wear it like a big old fake fur coat or something. I got to tell you, I love it. I do. You know, it's a combination of it's energy communication and it aligns body, mind and spirit to a, a particular set of purposes that allow you to relax into a truer version of yourself. It's interesting because this connects so much to um, it was brought up in a conversation I recently had and not not to duplicate it for my listeners, but it does connect with what you're saying. And we were I was kind of talking about one of my favorite things to do is to get up at dawn, like right before the sun comes up and go. I live by a lot of pasture land. So I go out to the pasture land and I just I get up and basically appreciate the dawn in a sacred way. And I was trying to describe this experience. I said, you know, yes, I am there. Oren in his body is there. And I'm watching this with my eyes. I said, but yes. Over the years, there is this sensation that there's another Oren, and I'm just talking about me, you know, maybe everybody has this, and it's very in line with what you're saying, but I get this sensation for many years that there's another Oren who's standing behind me just slightly back into the left, and it's like it's merged with but not fully with me. But that Oren gives uh-huh. me a sense of an omnidirectional experience it's I'm not just watching the sun come up. I'm feeling the sun come up. I'm not just hearing the hawk. Right. I'm feeling the hawk. I'm feeling the cows and the crickets. And, and I know to some people that may sound like, what are you talking about? But listening to you describe what you just described, and even in reading it in the book, I, there's diagrams I was going, okay, I, I think this is connecting to that experience that I, I tried to describe because there is that sensation of a higher, wiser version of you. Yeah, yeah, that wiser self. That's your committee of three right there. You've got you've got your body there. You've got your mind there, experiencing the sensations and and interpreting them in terms of your your storylines. And then you've got wiser self there, kind of infusing it with higher purpose or deeper purpose. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's like time sort of disappears a little bit, And, and and everything is sort of enriched and dripping with this meaning that really is without words. 
and you're just feel right. connected to those things. Right. Absolutely. And that's it. And, you know, I think you've just put your finger on it. That is, we actually span a spectrum where energy and energy spans a spectrum. And you know how like there's dog yeah. whistles and we can't hear them, yeah. but they drive dogs crazy. That's because there are sounds outside the spectrum of what our ears can handle. So if we don't say that sound doesn't exist because we can't hear it. We say, well, dogs can hear it. It must exist. And we have, we can maybe measure it on instruments. So our being you and me, we're not just lumps of flesh. And we're not just lumps of flesh with a storyline and a plot line. We're lumps of flesh with a storyline and with some kind of in, 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 um, infusion of energy and purpose and wisdom and wiser self. I mean, we span a spectrum from very solid to kind of ethereal. Yeah. And probably beyond. I mean, this instrument is absolutely designed to perceive the spectrum of body, mind, spirit. Absolutely. And through that, we can even perceive other dimensions, you know, the dog whistle part of the universe that isn't maybe so apparent to us, but is at least something we can hear echoes of through the spectrum we can hear. Yeah, or and I think that gets right into what you're talking about, about easing the ego and why that's so important. Because this, we were talk, my son and I were talking about some certain predator birds that can see the heat trails, you know, they see infrared light. And we can't even comfort. We can we can get an idea of it as a human being, but if we just say our ego tells us what you experience and what you know is all there is, because your ego wants to know and control and identify and say this and that about things, but yet there's just creature flying around in the sky that has a completely different light spectrum that it can see. Absolutely, you know, and that's such a small little leap, and it's not even that fantastic. But we have a hard time comprehending those things. I feel like that's why that easing the right. ego part, when I was reading these in the book, I, I got to that and I said, yeah, this is such a crucial element because the ego wants to say, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, shut it down. Right. Yeah. To shut it down, to shut it down. And, you know, people who want to work on self-healing, who want to enter in this communication, who want to speak the language, part of it is just believing we can. Yeah. And getting started using it, learning it, and having experiences, successful experiences with, wow, I had this this um, symptom, I responded in the language of the body, and the yeah. body chilled. And that was so cool, because I didn't have to take a pill, and I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to ruin my whole day. I was able to really tune in to see what was going on, and, and respond appropriately. Yeah. And that's the key is any communication, right, is to, to hear what's being communicated and to to take it in and then to respond appropriately yeah. and in a way that the other being can understand. Right, right. And, you know, the body doesn't understand science nearly as much as it understands energy. It understands yeah. energetic communication. It totally does that. It does not understand. Even the chemistry, you know, it's problematic. And I'm, I'm always grateful when someone's dying and there's a miracle drug that will cure them, temp at least, you know, in the short term. But the reason all those drugs have a long list of side effects is they're not side effects. They're effects. That's something shouting at all parts of your being, but trying to aim at one thing. And, you know, it's like trying to call your friend across a crowded um, restaurant. You can make definitely make your friend hear you, but how many people's dinners have you disturbed in the way to saying, hey, Pete, what you doing? Yeah. You know, and Pete gets you, but so does everyone else in the restaurant. And, 
while you've made Pete's day by saying, hi, Pete, love you. <laughs> Everyone else at the restaurant, it's not, it hasn't improved their right. experience. <laughs> so that's what happens in the body with chemical messaging. It's too strong. It's too long. It's too broad spectrum. Even when it's targeted, it doesn't take into effect the ecology or the interplay and dynamics of everything that's going on in the body. And it doesn't supply the cofactors that you get from uh, even substances from nature. Yeah, right. You know, like, you know, if you eat an orange, you get a way higher quality vitamin C than if you take a vitamin C pill where it's been chemically extracted and kind of put back into film, pill form. It may be more intense, but it's missing the energetic signaling, the actual communication that comes from nature that reminds us we're all part of nature. So, you know, part of learning the language of energy, and I talk about this in the book too, is that we're part, we have to recognize that nature is the grammar. Nature provides the grammar and that we, you know, can heal in relation to all of the factors that influence us. And, and so to take ourselves in isolation and take a pill and trying to communicate just to that one organ, it begs the question of the fact that your organs been in the restaurant where someone's shouting at someone else. Yeah, that that actually reminds me, and and it was something I wanted to make sure we covered in the talk today because, I, again, selfishly, it was something I found interesting. Was the way you talked about you use sound and instruments and and notes a lot in your analogies, and I loved that. And there was one particularly, and I'm probably going to butcher it the way you said it, but it was something to the effect of. When you're listening to a song that's your song or a song that you've chosen, there's also the potential that somebody else is playing a song and you hear that song, but you need to be able to discern your song from their song. And so I, right. I, was that a good yeah. launch pad to talk about that, <laughs> what that means? Yeah, well, it, you know, it is something in the nature of how we construct a self. I mean... If you see yourself as a big energy field, not just your body, but you've got this aura around you, every time you're in a crowded room, which hasn't been as much lately, but people can remember crowded rooms, your energies are interspersing with other people's. Your auras are mixing with others. And you need to remember what's me and what's not me. So when you talked about being an empath, your energies aren't quite as good. They get easily befuddled mm. if there's another song going on. You lose, you lose track of what's yeah. my song and what's this other song. And that's, you know, for me, I'm very tonal. So when I'm in a restaurant, I overhear better than I hear. So if someone <laughs> at the next table or two tables or three away, yeah, I'm right? the same exact it's way. Definitely... I mean, it's so weird. My, right. my poor wife, all these years, we've just thought I was nosy. But I told her, she's like, you're just no. listening. I said, I'm not even, it's not that. This, I mean, so many examples of it where you're going, why is my energy and attention drawn to this table, you know? Right. right. When I'm trying to listen to my wife, right? right. And it's not that <laughs> and, I'm more interested in them, but it's like not, there's a, a magnetic a pull to, to be drawn right. over there. Yeah. Right. And it has to do with the nature of how you bring energies into your system. And that's called tonal. You bring them in through not just your ears, but the hearing of sound and vibration. And literally, there are vo energy vortexes over the ears and over the solar plexus. Mm, so sometimes you hear with your stomach as well. You may have noticed that where someone's making annoying noises and it really goes right to your tummy, your solar plexus, and it bugs you there. Yeah. 
I don't know if you've noticed No, but that. I'll tell you what's really interesting is I can, I'm deaf in my left ear. And being in crowds or restaurants or, or communal places, uh, for a long time, I always associated my lack of comfort with the fact that I couldn't hear well, especially when there were a lot of people talking. But what was very strange uh-huh. in thinking and reflecting on that, I thought, well, how come I can't hear what's going on, but how come my attention is still drawn towards these things? It was almost like a right. a mixed bag of it was almost like anxiety. It was, a, and I I used to misassociate it right. with that. I used to think, oh, I have social anxiety. And I realized, oh, I don't have social yeah, anxiety. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that way. I'm not afraid to be social. I'm, I'm. There's something that's making no. me feel uncomfortable socially, but it's not no. a real fear. It, it's not a, a logical fear. No, because and it's not that you're not hearing well. It's that you're hearing too right. well. You're taking in too, too much, much information. information. And you know, although you are deaf in your left ear, you're still picking up your energetic receivers still work fine. So you're not deaf energetically. You're just not picking up the physical sound. And a lot of people who are extremely tonal that that's actually typical to lose a little bit of the physical hearing really, because it's like the only way we can turn the volume down. Interesting. with, With people who are very visual, they take everything in through their, their vision and eyes. They can shut their Mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah. You know, or look the other way, but they're not as surrounded. But tonals, have, you know, often have to turn the volume down physiologically because it, it is sometimes overwhelming. People also take in kinesthetically. They get it through direct feeling and and um, just in their own body. They'll feel what other people are feeling in their own body. Um, I'm also quite kinesthetic okay? and tonal. And then um, people are also what's called digital, which is direct knowing. They just get a thought in their brain. They get it. They pick up. They say, I'm not psychic. And they're totally psychic. But the psychic comes in as form thoughts. And after they get the thought, they don't know. They never didn't think it before. It's like it was yeah, always well, how, there. How hard brain, it, you know, right? For a common person who's never thought about this, how do you discern a, a psychic thought from your own thought? Because it feels as real as your own thought. Well, okay, again, it's like, how do you know if it's just your imagination? Your imagination is the receiver. Your your thought is the receiver. And, and you know, is it, you know, is it coming from your direct experience? Is it coming from your ego? Is it coming right. from your wiser <laughs> self? Does it have a kind of shimmer of truth to it? There you go. I love that. I love that. The shimmer of truth. That's beautiful. So, you know, if something, if, you know, if the thought comes in and it just feels like, oh my God, that's so true, then you still have to investigate it because some people are very persuasive and they sound, they say things that are very true, but they're not. And when you kind of unpack it, you say, well, but that's not really true. It was lovely words, but it wasn't true. So, you know, I always encourage people to open their receivers and, and keep them clear. I mean, clean them because it can be painful to take in too much. Yeah, I, here's one thing you can do, and it's not in the book, but it's in my next book. Um, it got cut out of the book and had to be put in the next book, um, which is you can create an off-site storage. You know, create an off-site storage facility that isn't in your body or in your brain, but is where you can put things that you don't want to get rid okay, of, but you don't want to carry just, around. It's like an imagination exercise. Okay, yeah, okay, kind of okay. Like your cabin. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm on board with this. Your, yeah, you don't want to leave all your junk in your cabin. Yeah, I'll either, make a little uh, a that's shed. A space. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so get a, get a storage okay. unit in off-site storage, and you can have a uh-huh. staff. 
so they can retrieve things. And when there's something that you don't want to deal with um, for, for a good reason, like you're driving, but you're upset, you can just send it out, like send it out your arm like to, to offsite storage and say, I'm going to call this yeah. back later, but I'd like to put it there. It's a way to start parking things that don't belong in your system right now um, in a place where you can get them when you need them, but they don't weigh you down. So a lot of times we take in too much information. We need to put some of that information into offsite So interesting. Storage. Can I tell you something? This is a great tip because I – What's weird, I'm going to go back to this cabin imagination exercise. As that started to develop, I was like, oh, I'm in control of this thing, right? It only has what I want in here, and all these doors go where I want them. But a couple of years ago, I started, I even, I remember telling somebody, I said, it's weird, because sometimes when I would be going into my cabin, there would be a door that I didn't make. And so I would go in there, and oddly enough, right. it would be filled with pictures of memories from my childhood that I didn't like, uh, old papers, embarrassing moments. And it's so funny because I go, I, I never put it together. I was like, that's an odd, I thought it was an odd occurrence, and I disregarded it, but I didn't get rid of it. This exercise you're talking about, off-site storage, I could consciously take these things <laughs> now and start putting them. I love that. That's That's a really great. Right. Exercise, yeah. Right. right. And make sure make sure you've got an archivist who works there. You know, get a whole staff. You know, there's right. a, you know, good, good librarian, a good archivist. Because it's not stuff if it's stuff you want to throw away, you can throw it in the universal recycling bin. Yeah. But if you know, if you want to keep it but you don't want it to clog your system and clog you in your everyday functioning, it's good to have dimensionality, to have other yeah. spaces of self. Like you say, to have a you know your your cabin to have to have your offsite storage. Anyway, I, I think you know sort of at the root of all this is just the recognition that we are much more. Uh, there's much more to us than our shared culture would tell us. There's much more to the body. There's much more to the mind. There's much more to the spirit, and there's much more to the ecology of life forms. And right now, you know, Mother Nature is kind of. You know, someone is sort of showing us, hey, I can yeah, wipe you guys yeah. out with one hand tied behind my back. So, you know, stop destroying me. And we're all watching the air get cleaner and things change because we aren't doing all those, uh, all that running around, all that use of, of fossil fuels where we're burning her lifeblood and putting it into the air. We're not, we're having to hunker down, listen a little more, you know, isolate a little bit. And listen to ourselves. We're, we're kind of cutting down a lot of the excess noise that we ha have been immersed in and, and inputs of all sorts, not just noise. And so it's a real opportunity to take this time to develop a stronger ability to speak to your own being, to participate in the communications of your mind, body, and spirit. Because they're talking all the time, just under the surface of your awareness. They're chatting away all day long. And why not be able to dip in and participate? Not control, but actually yeah. have some choice, have some input. Um, let them influence uh, how you evolve your storyline or what, what you choose to do with people or how your body is working. You know, and, and we have this constant feedback that we pretty much tune out all the time. Yeah. 
And, no, it, <laughs> and once in a while, it gets through to us. It speaks very loudly, and it it can create a very serious illness to really get through to us. Well, now as a planet, the body of of humanity is getting a very loud loud shout from Mother Nature. Hey, wake up! Pay attention! You know, you've crossed the the animal human barrier in a way that was disrespectful of the sacredness of life forms, and it can really mess with your messaging. Yeah. It can totally because you know that's what a virus is—is is a bit of false code. It's it's a it's 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 like a little, uh, it's like a computer virus. It's a little bit of code that gets in and starts messing with your DNA. But the the factors in nature that are supposed to keep our DNA balanced and healthy are getting disrupted by bad air, you know, difficult food sources, et cetera. I don't want to get into, you know, sure, the whole but catalog of what's right. wrong. But it makes sense, the cascade but of things, the, the domino effect of all these things. You even kind of are getting into that, some of that territory that I thought was fascinating in the book, too, is this generational energy, you know? I mean, we're, we're seeing the accumulation yeah. of a lot of negative generational energy that's sort of built up. And if it, and if that has to, and I don't know if I'm using the right language, but it makes sense to me to discharge that, you know, that's yeah. sort of a, yeah, I call it off. Okay. Well, yeah, yes. same concept, right? Like you, we need to, and we're in that generation. I mean, we've probably been in that generation right. for a while. We've been hitting, hitting this point to some degree. I think that, and that gets to the heart of what this show is about is why do something instead of nothing, that's a lot of people say, oh, well, and we throw our hands up and we don't take an action and we just truck along with the same old thing. Right. I, I don't encourage that. I think people should suspend their disbelief every once in a while, crash right. against what they think they know, and then say, hey, right. it's on me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a part of this, you know, right. off uh, offloading this energy and then maybe get that next generation into a new generational energy cycle. Right. Absolutely. And one thing I say in the book is that the old medical model of what's wrong and how can I fix it is not productive for healing. Because if you focus on what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, energy follows energy, and you're going to get lots and lots of evidence of what's wrong. But if you shift the question to what's needed and how can I Mm. supply that, how can I cultivate that, then you don't have to get bogged down by the litany of what's wrong, you get uh, illuminated and energized by the potential of what is needed and what could be cultivated. And so in every moment, we have the choice to cultivate radiance, to cultivate joy, to cultivate um, respect and and connection. Connection is at the root of, of good health. You know, bad health comes from disconnection and good health comes from connection, if you want to boil it down to to real gross terms. Well, how are all the ways we can connect in with our body, with with our cells, with our mind, with our spirit, getting them all connected with other people? And so, um, you know, it becomes a really fun uh, practice to say, how can I work with the energies and play with them creatively to make something better than I had before? You know, I've got these three crayons, but what right. can I that's color a wonderful them? place. I think that's a really good place to put a bow on the whole thing because, really, that's how I felt about your book. To be honest with you, I, I kept stopping as I was reading it and telling my wife, "I said, you know, this is an enjoyable read. One, it's it's part story. You have lots of stories. There's lots of examples. Yeah. There's practical things you can do. You can actually take action and follow some steps." 
But I think that was the the thing that I liked the most about it is that it actually was hopeful and filled with joy. It was not about, hey, here's what's wrong with the body. Here's what's wrong with modern medicine. Here's what's wrong with the world. Here's what's wrong with the way we're doing things. It had none of it. To me, it didn't, you didn't carry any of that in the book. It was all about, hey, you can do this. It's almost like uh, an expanded existence or enhanced well, we'll existence. Have to think like- yeah, we'll have to thank my teachers for yeah. that one. <laughs> they spent lots of years hammering away to get my mind to open up and, um, you know, to expand the experience. And, uh, you know, it's just so much more fruitful for the body and the mind and the spirit to, to just ask some different yeah. questions well, that, that have better answers. I, that definitely is a, uh, one of the encouragements I got from it is to is just to, to really almost pay even more attention, really, and to expand uh, my practices, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I feel like I have a lot of spiritual practices and and psychological practices uh-huh. for mental health, but I don't. And it wasn't until recently that I really started revisiting the idea of energy, but I, I really haven't went so in so really far to develop any good methods for balancing out these things that I I really didn't know what they were, what where they were coming from. Now, like you said, Swiss cheese had holes in my aura. And and I'm and many still. I mean, I, in fact, one last uh-huh. example. I hadn't been out for a very long time, and I had to go to our you know our, our big sister city next to where I live for some supplies. And I was out for three hours, and I came home and told my wife. I said, "I am bugging out." Yeah. I mean, yeah. just being back around that many people, I felt like I couldn't get home fast enough. And I told her, I "said That's not really a good thing. I don't want. I, I don't no. want that. I don't want to be like that." No, but if you can listen to the language and do something to respond, so you say, I'm bugging out, well, I immediately think of (laughs) eyes bugging out, you can take your hands and cup them over your palms, cup your palms over your eyes, and just send warmth, and feel those bugged eyes gently settle back in, and it'll go deeper and deeper, and it will calm your nervous system. Yeah, that's... You can listen to what you say and say, well, if I'm bugging uh, out, what would it look like to I love bug that. back in? It's like, again, like laying my hand on my heart last night. I love that. And, and I guess it, it was something in your book, too. You, you referenced that a lot, you know, the heartbeat and, and with the pulse. And I thought that's so interesting because it's not what I've typically heard or read about whenever I've heard people talk about energy work. You're uh-huh. you are you're keying in on something that's really physical, your pulse, your blood, just what you said, covering your right. eyes, but at the same time it is affecting your energy. There's just so much in, in so many exercises and diagrams in the book that are like that. Um I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. And um I hope some of your listeners will find it helpful as well. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. 
Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the Sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the Sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. Now it's time to dive in the fishbowl. I think I talked to you about this. You did. I love this. I hope, I, you know, I, I'm always amazed at what comes out of here. Some pretty good conversations have been had from these things. So I'll draw three cards for you. Normally, if we were in the studio, uh, you would just reach in here and draw them yourself, but I'll be your proxy today and let's hope maybe the council will uh have a little guiding influence over the questions always always oh wow okay this is interesting what are the three major emotions that you are carrying right now um joy contentment and awesome right now right in this moment Right in this moment, because I've just had a fun conversation, and I love to talk, and this was so fun. It's like one of my favorite things to do is chat. (laughs) I can tell you that just for the listeners. They can't see you, but your energy is so good. Like, your your mannerisms are positive. You've smiled the whole time, the the whole time we've talked, (laughs) and I love that. You can see it on your face. It's just a happy face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm having a fun time, so thank you so much for this great conversation. Okay, now this is, God, okay, what I say are going to be relevant to you. Uh, What do you believe in despite having no proof of it? I believe that we are expressions of our own deeper spirit and deeper self. And I believe that, can I say two things because it goes with that? I believe that we have the power to create a world that works for all people. I don't believe we're limited even by the the physical, the chemical, any of that stuff that's being degraded right now, I think we have the power to transform that if we understand what we're doing. That's a wonderful answer. I actually believe that too. I mean, I, in, in summing that up, I would to echo it, I, I, a lot of times I find myself saying this over and over. I, I hope, I hope, and I don't mean like I hope in a bad way, like I don't believe it's possible. I just, I do look out at the world and I see the realities in front of me. I see racism and violence right. and viruses and wars and hunger. You know, I see all the same yeah. things everybody else sees, but I hope because I, yeah. I have seen, 
human beings do amazing things. I mean, right. I look throughout history and I go, every time there's been despair, someone has risen up and they've been the balm that that cooled the situation or healed a nation or freed a people. Right. And and yeah, maybe we can maybe right. maybe we are. I don't know. Maybe we're destined to keep making these cycles. But we might, but I think we can cycle in a good direction. At least yeah. we can have some input and choice and have some fun along the way, yeah. you know? Have some fun along yeah. the way because if it's not fun, why is that so hard? I mean, doing? honestly, why it's is not- that so hard? I mean, I'm I'm guilty. I say that sometimes to my wife. I go, you know, sometimes I just don't know how to not be so doggone serious. I mean, I take everything so serious. I'm so introspective and always observing and thinking and analyzing and curious. But sometimes I just need to have some fun. Sometimes it's just joy, you know, like just it, it right. just takes effort, I guess, a little bit of effort. <laughs> right. 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 I love that answer, though. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, let's see. This says, tell me a book or film that has made a profound impact on you and why. Well, it's interesting. Uh, (laughs) Usually I can't think of them in the moment. Well, the book that's made the biggest impact is Donna Eden's book, Energy Medicine. Hey, she's the the foreword on your book, right? She wrote the foreword on my book. And, you know, it's my favorite book, so I asked her to write the foreword, and she was so gracious as to write it. She's such a pioneer in this realm of using energy for self-healing and keeping it real. It's not up in the theoretical realms. It's like, what's happening and how can we work with it? So I love, love, love that book. And um, and then the other thing that influenced me just yesterday was I saw a podcast by a guy named Dr. Zach Bush. Okay. And he's triple board certified. He's an endocrinologist, and he's triple board certified. And he's working in a realm that, you know, he does work in the language of science, and he knows it quite well. But he's saying a lot of the exact same things I said in my book through art and through through life. I yeah. didn't use science to validate it. I used uh, experience to validate it. Right. But he uses science to sort of demonstrate some of the same uh territory. So I was very <laughs> only influenced because it really spoke to me like, hey, he's saying yeah. what I said. So that's a little bit of ego. But it was a message that I felt happy about because I feel like if we can approach the same awareness of the importance of the ecology of life forms from the spirit, from the social, from the scientific, from all the different dimensions that we live in, we're going to get to a center where we get it that the ecology of life forms is at the core of our well-being. Yeah, you know, you're actually, you talk about that a little bit in your book that, you know, we're always waiting on science to validate something, you know, and a lot of times with a spiritual concept or or an energy work concept, you know, when science validates it, everyone goes, oh, okay, that's that's legit now. And I, I kind of operate like you. I tend oh. to have, based on my own experience, but I don't know. I guess with that, maybe an ego thing where we're waiting, we have to wait for the scientists to tell us it's, oh, right. yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, yes, meditation's right. healthy, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> Right. And things have been, have been showing true proof for 5,000 years, the truth that's, that's revealed through practice, spiritual practices or other things. They're kind of poo-pooed until science gets <laughs> right. there and says, well, we can prove you have a different brainwave when you meditate. Exactly. So now it's suddenly a valid activity. Yeah. I don't personally need that. I have other ways to assess truth and reality besides the chemical and scientific. And I, I love when the scientists do their things. You know, I love it, but I don't need, I'm not going to wait around for that. I'm going to 
dig in and find my own truth through my own um, yeah, ways Yeah, and that of reminds me a little bit of this little cartoon I saw a while back that I loved, and it had a little goldfish or a little fish in, in swimming in the ocean swims up to these two old fish, and it says, uh, the young fish asks the old fish, where's the ocean? You know, and so it kind of makes me think right. of that with science. You know, we're we're immersed in something that's already exists, and for many people right. across time, they already accept these things and have been practicing things. And then right. science comes at right. the tail end and says, "Oh, we can validate that now." So now it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 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 And, you know, I mean, there's I mean, I'm so happy there are scientists working on vaccines and treatments yeah, for right, COVID. Right. But we can work on treatments for COVID that are energetic in nature. We can strengthen our immune system from within. We can really strengthen the me versus the not me and the, you know, the filters. We can keep our code, our truth so loud that that it drowns out that annoying <laughs> right. conversation at the other table. You know, we really can have our, you know, our instrument wipes out false code all the time. And this one's tricky because it's similar enough to other codes that our, our, most of us, our immune system doesn't recognize it as an invader till it takes the place of something that, that should be there with something that shouldn't. So that's the problem. But there's some people who get the COVID um, virus in them and their immune system just wipes it out. They're asymptomatic or, you know, yeah, it's in there, but it, it doesn't take over their, their DNA. So we can work to make our own physical being and physical, emotional, mental, spiritual being strong enough and, and whole enough that we aren't vulnerable to these th to things like viruses. You know, it, it, it's maybe not a it's not a full vaccine. Well, but exactly. It's I mean, and why wouldn't you want to? I mean, you know, take again. It gets into these different bodies. You know, your physical body is is an, is a component to who you are. Your your mind definitely a component to who you are. But then your spirit, you know, your your higher self, that's a component to who you are too. It's a three dimensional being you know and we don't always think three-dimensionally and i i want to i want to live a three-dimensional life i do me too me too well i got one last question for you and okay. it's on the back of this mug that i'm going to send you oh great and it says did anything good happen today <laughs> well absolutely i just had a wonderful conversation with you it was really <laughs> great thank you so much <laughs> I, I had a good time too i, I appreciate you taking first of all sharing yourself with everyone through your book and then also taking the time to talk to me about it you know i always enjoy these conversations and i know my listeners do get a lot of it they i end up uh, getting a lot of questions after these episodes you know and uh I do hope that they will go read the book and, and honestly go to your YouTube channel. I need to do that, actually, because sure. uh, that just adds another dimension to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do have a free eight-video course on um, energy medicine self-help tools for enhanced immunity. So directly responding to where we find ourselves now, here's some energy medicine you can use and why you would use it to make yourself more whole and strong. So it's a free resource. I put it out there because I thought, well, people need it now. And yeah. uh, so that's there at the YouTube channel. And it's, it's called um, my YouTube channel is Energy Medicine with Ellen Meredith. Okay. And you could also get there through my website, which is www.ellenmeredith.com. And Meredith is spelled M E R E D I 
T-H, EllenMeredith.com. And can people buy the book on your website as well? No, you ha- but any bookstore. So support whatever bookstore you love, whether it's an independent bookseller or if you like the, the bigger bigger ones. You can get it anywhere. The distributors are out there. And it's, it's from New World Library. It's called The Language Your Body Speaks self-healing with energy medicine well we'll put a link to the to for people to purchase i'll i'll just do this plug it's not a paid plug but it's one of my favorite places to shop for books i love to go to thriftbooks and uh, dot com and i also like to shop on something that i just found out about about two months ago called bookshop.org yes i have a link to that on my website as well mm-hmm yeah, that's a great place to buy books. I think that some of that money goes back to small it does. bookshops around the country. So. It does. So um, that's a good a good source for it as well. But you can also get it through the the big A and yeah, other places. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time. Uh, worlds apart, you know, these days, but so close at the same time. And I just love that. Yeah. And uh, if I could ever be of assistance to you to help spread your good news, you just let me know. Well, thank you so much. And I'll let people know about your show because this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, I'm more thankful every moment that I found you. Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Ellen Meredith. If you'd like to experience her book, The Language Your Body Speaks, make sure to visit the links in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider helping me spread the good news by supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news beacon.